Welcome to Australian Hiker. We're your hosts, Tim and Jill Savage. This is episode 58 of the Australian Hiker Podcast, and this episode is titled Navigation on the Trail, an Introduction to Maps and Compasses. Now, the level of navigation skills that you will need as a hiker will vary depending on the complexity of the walks that you do. If you never leave well-marked trails, the skill requirement you need may, but not necessarily, be minimal. The advent of mobile phone apps, uh, as well as uh, the availability of high-quality consumer-level GPSs, including GPS watches, has changed hiking forever. So gone are the days when you had no choice but to use a map and compass. Uh, but having said that, having a good grounding in their use will be something that we can all aspire to. Now, this episode is to provide a basic introduction to map and compass use that will hopefully add to your skill level as a hiker and inspire you to learn more. If you're already an experienced hiker that knows how to navigate, you may not learn that much out of this this uh, this episode. And as I said, it's really an introductory um, into using maps and compasses. In later episodes, we'll discuss more complex navigation. Now, this podcast will be linked with the uh, written article of the same name, which you can find on our website. And if you go to the show notes uh, for this episode, we'll have a link to that episode, uh, that article, uh, and we'll have images and pictures of things we're discussing in this podcast today. So we hope this will be of some use, particularly for the newer hikers out there, uh, and that you gain some benefit from it. Now, one thing I would suggest with this um, this podcast is, as you go through and listen to it, have the um, the written article open at the same time, uh, and that might, might might help to make a bit more sense of some of the things we're going to be discussing in this episode. Now, before we actually go into using maps and compasses themselves, there are some considerations that you need to take into account before you go anywhere near pieces of navigation equipment. And these will contribute to you having a safe and successful hike. And these are plan your hike, find out as much information as you can about the hike to determine how difficult it will be and what levels of experience and equipment that you will need. Now, in this respect here, if you're going on an urban hike on a very well-marked, well-known trail, you may not need a map and compass. However, if you're going on something a bit more complex, you may need both of those items, uh, as well as additional equipment on top of that again. So the next thing you need to think about is hiking with you in your limits. You need to ensure you have the appropriate navigation skills um, that are relevant to the trip that you're planning. Um, if you're relying on someone else, you need to make sure that they also have the, the right sort of skills uh, to navigate uh, the route that you're going to be traversing. And I think in that sort of situation, um, 
if you are planning on doing something overly complex, this is when you want to make sure that if, if, if there is no one within your hiking circles that has this experience, this is when you start looking at things like meetup groups, groups and hiking clubs and even on, on organized trips as well. Um, let them do all the hard work and that you can actually go through and learn uh, as you're going uh, along on this particular trip. Yeah, so I think there's, it's okay to rely on others as long as they know that you're relying on them um, and as long as, you know, uh, there might be somebody else that you can rely on if you're not um, up to that skill level. The next thing to consider is paying attention. And for me, this is a big one, and I think it's a skill that's that's – it's not really a skill as such, but it's it's one of those sort of things that people just seem to tune out when they hike, that if someone's going through and leading a hike, all of a sudden they just switch off, uh, let that person lead the hike, um, and it's down to the point of when are we having lunch and when are we having breakfast and what are we having for breakfast. Uh, but particularly in relation to navigation, I certainly learnt the hard way uh, when, I, when I as a teenager, following along behind somebody that I thought was uh, uh, able to navigate and who said they were able to navigate. Uh, and we ended up having a, a – we didn't get lost, but we ended up having a much longer walk than we planned and a much a much longer trip back to where we needed to be. So from that point on, I made sure that I was navigating even if someone else was leading the trip as well. And just recently, um, Tim and I were on a hike and um, – I had um, a, a sore foot and needed to turn back uh, part part way through the hike. It was a return kind of um, exercise rather than a one way exercise, and I, I was reasonably confident that I'd been watching where we were going. But as I turned around and uh, headed back to the car, I suddenly started to question, um, you know, the things that I thought were along the way. Um, including, you know, how many fallen trees did we actually walk over <laughs> on on the way out and have I counted too many now? So, you know, it's a really interesting thing and it does play with your mind a little bit um, when you think you're paying attention and then you're faced with an experience of having to get yourself back by, you know, basically alone. And in this sort of instance, as Jill mentioned, you know, fallen, things like fallen trees, keep an eye out on landmarks Every so often, turn around and look behind you and see what the trail looks the way you've come because you may actually be having to head back that same way. Um, and it's amazing that, that the trail often looks very different when you turn yourself around and are heading in a different direction. If you don't have the navigation skills, that's fine. But if your group is carrying a personal locator beacon, you and everybody else in the group need to know where it is and how to use it. If the person who is leading the group, so let's say, for instance, you're down in Tasmania doing the overland track and your guide is the one that has an injury or accident uh, and you don't know where you're going and how to navigate, you need to know where the locator beacon is and how to use it. Um, so don't just rely on one person in a group or one partner out of a, a couple knowing how to use the equipment, the safety equipment that you've got. The other consideration you need to look into, uh, to think about is how fast you travel. Now, this is important for a couple of reasons. If you're going on a 10-kilometer hike uh, and you travel at 5 kilometers an hour um, over a particular type of terrain, you would expect that hike is going to take you around about two hours plus uh, the time you take for breaks. 
Now, recently, Jill and I went through and hiked the Corn Trail heading down from Canberra to the New South Wales coast, and the information on the website said that the hike was actually 12 kilometres long. And we had actually planned on doing this hike down and back for a total of 24 kilometres. We'd had enough time based on that sort of distance. And when we actually got there and read the uh, material at the trailhead and discovered that the trail was actually 15 kilometres long, which now gave us a 30-kilometre return hike, that changed the time quite dramatically that we needed. Um, And in that instance, uh, we ended up just doing a one-way hike and as Jill said, she went back and uh, picked up the car and uh, and met me down at the bottom trailhead. Knowing how long the trail is and how fast you walk over a particular type of terrain is go- is going to give you an indication of how long a, uh, a walk should actually take. Yeah, and the interesting thing about that was it was in reality when when we when Tim actually walked the whole distance, it was longer than fifteen kilometres. Um, so you know it wasn't much longer, but that's starting to get to a thirty-one kilometre uh, round trip. And the other thing is that the return trip was pretty much uphill. <laughs> so fifteen kilometres down one way and fifteen kilometres up the other was going to take a while. Um, so try and work out how fast you actually travel over particular types of terrain and with particular packs. So for me, if I'm going on a multi-day or multi-week pack and carrying a maximum of around about 14 kilos with uh, up to about seven days worth of food, um, I know that I can travel about five to six kilometers now on a flat trail. Uh, but when it comes to time to going up a steep incline, that speed or that pace drops down to about 3.2 to 3.5 kilometers per hour. So again, if I'm planning on getting to a particular point or a particular location um, for the next night's camp, that will give me an indication on when I need to start, uh, when I expect to finish, uh, and, and whether I have enough time to actually do what I'm planning to do. So think about um, next time you go for a walk. If you know you're doing a five-kilometer walk, work out how long it actually takes you. Uh, and if you're only doing it with a day pack, doing it with a, a full pack with your tent and cooking gear and food will certainly be a different sort of hiking pace. Okay, so what navigation equipment should you carry when you hike? And for me, I base this on a risk assessment associated with each specific hike. So if I'm doing an urban hike, um, in a, uh, I'll always carry a mobile phone. Uh, and typically I'm carrying a GPS as well only because I'm reviewing a hike and I want to know distance and altitudes. So I'm not really using the GPS to to navigate with. Um, Many of the urban hikes that I tend to do will have um, a lot of of dense bush uh, and the potential is there for snakes as well. So for the longer urban hikes, I'll even carry a uh, personal locator beacon. If I have no mobile phone signal, which means I'm out of reach, and in an emergency need to be able to contact somebody, this is when I will carry a compass, uh, a GPS, and a personal locator beacon as a matter of course. I may also carry a map if the trail is not well marked. So certainly when I go through and do the trail reviews uh, on a weekly basis, um, I'm always carrying each of those items just in case, because in a lot of cases, I'm in very remote areas. Uh, And in fact, some of the hikes that I've done over the last few weeks, I've been uh, 50 kilometers away from the city. 
Um, and if something happens, if I break an ankle or injure myself, um, I've got, I'm going to have to hope that somebody else comes along if I don't have those pieces of equipment. Now, the last sort of thing uh, is is when I'm going bush. And by this, I mean I'm going for an extended period, you know, a week or two. Um, quite often, I might be walking off trail uh, and I may or may not have defined pathways. And in this situation, I will carry a compass, a GPS, a personal locator meeting, meeting, and a map. And I will also try and carry some sort of satellite phone or messaging system, such as a spot or a Garmin inReach where the availability to reach loved ones um, for the occasional check is a desirable thing. Not essential, uh, but again, when you're out of reach for a couple of weeks at a time, people tend to like to know that you're okay. Uh, And having the uh, messaging uh, systems will often make a difference. Now, recently we went through and um, uh, undertook a survey um, relating on on navigation uh, equipment, compasses and maps, and I'll give you a brief overview of what the outcome was. So 70% of uh, respondents will carry some form of navigation equipment on all hikes. Um, another 16% only on when they consider the hikes to be more complex, and 7% when they don't uh, or won't carry navigation equipment at all. The most common equipment carried uh, is actually a map, which did surprise me, uh, 84%. Um, Just on 80% will carry a compass. 64% will carry a GPS. And again, 6.8% or 7% won't carry anything at all. When asked why people carry compasses, the response was for 70% of people, just in case, um, as opposed to 30% to use it to navigate. Now, in the relation to maps, uh, this was 43% of people carry maps just in case, and 60%, so just on 60% will carry them to, um, to navigate with. Of those people that carry maps and compasses, uh, it was an even split here. 50% of people have had formal training in the use of these, these pieces of equipment. Uh, so it's, um, it's the sort of thing that... Uh, Having the equipment and knowing how to use it is one of those important things, is one of those critical things that you do need to know. It's no good carrying something and not being able to use it. Now we're going to look at compasses themselves. The question that a lot of people will ask is, why would you bother carrying a compass? Aren't they obsolete? Uh, and these days, in the days of GPSs uh, where or GPS watches, uh, you know, we can actually use these to navigate with and get us back to where we start. Uh, but the issue with GPSs is, is they are reliant on batteries. Uh, and I know with uh, my GPS that I use, I'll use lithium batteries, which are very long-life batteries. And the best I can actually get out of using this to record a trail is around about three days, um, which means that if I'm going on a 10-day hike, I have to carry three sets of batteries with me. Um, uh, or and, and, and in fact, if I was doing a, a 10-day hike, it would probably be even four sets of batteries, uh, which is going to be a bit of extra weight and a bit of extra expense as well. So having GPSs and having electronic devices to navigate for you are fine, but you should actually have some form of backup that doesn't rely on batteries uh, just in case. So in relation to compasses, really 
we're talking about very simple compass use here and introductory compass use. And in this this situation, the simplest and most obvious uh, uh, reason for carrying a compass is to ensure that you're heading in the right direction when the trails aren't marked. So having a compass as a minimum is essential when you're away from easily traversed trails, and it also helps to prevent you getting turned around uh, if all of a sudden your compass is was saying north and now you're heading south, you know at some stage you've headed in the wrong direction. Now the first thing you need to know about compasses is there is a front and a back. The easy way to remember which is the back of the compass is that's the bit with a cord attached to it that, that hangs around your neck or hangs or hangs off the back off your pack. So what happens if you don't have a cord, Tim? <laughs> <laughs> This is true. Look, look for the hole where the cord normally goes. Um, the next thing you need to know that is a lot of compasses will only work in either the southern or northern hemisphere. Uh, compasses or the, the world has a set of magnetic fields that vary depending on where you are. And you'll find that southern hemisphere compasses and northern hemisphere compasses are balanced for a particular hemisphere or a particular area. I've seen people who have come from the US to Australia uh, and they've brought their compasses with them and they've had a cheap compass and they can't work out why their compass keeps on, the compass needle keeps on grounding, which means it's dragging along the base of the compass. Uh, And it's because they're not designed for use in the Southern Hemisphere. The most common forms of hiking compasses you will come across have the following main parts. And again, we'll have images of these on the website to make it a bit easier to see what they mean. They'll have a base plate, which is essentially a piece of plastic, um, a movable bezel, a north needle, and typically it tends to be red in colour, a direction of travel arrow, which is normally pointing towards the front of the compass, and that's the direction you're you're actually walking in. Um, And as I said, the front end of the compass is the end without the cord attached to it, and also has the arrow uh, of the direction of travel on the base plate. There are other features on on most compasses, and we'll discuss these in our upcoming articles on intermediate and advanced compass navigation. Now, from a basic point of view of using a compass, I'll give you an an example of of why I carried a compass on the Larapinta Trail in 2016. Essentially, we were traveling along the West McDonald Ranges and we we're traveling from west to east. The trail was very clearly defined, so it wasn't an issue. And in fact, I won't say it's impossible to get lost on the Larapinta Trail, but it's very difficult. Providing you follow the trail and pay attention, it's a very easy trail to follow. But one scenario that I planned for due to family reasons was there was a possibility that I may have to get off the trail and return back to Alice Springs um, to come home. Um, And the easiest way to do this if I wasn't at one of the trailheads was to actually just take a bearing south uh, uh, and that would have connected me with with Namajira Drive, which is the main highway that runs along that, that area. Uh, and then I could have actually hitched or caught a, a ride back into town. So as long as I paid a, where attention to where I was going, so I didn't go into a gully or go off an edge of a, a ravine, um, I would have come across the highway in a fairly short period of time. So the simplest way to find north on a compass, and we're talking about magnetic north here, uh, and that's where the needle will point to on a compass. Um, we do have other types of north, and again, we'll discuss those in in future episodes. 
So if you want to go through and travel north, um, what you need to do is um, make sure that the north needle on your compass is pointing towards the front of the compass, the end which has the direction uh, of travel arrow, um, and that the, uh, the rotating bezel has zero degree or north also in the same heading in the same point um, as the direction of um, of travel is going, and that means you'll be travelling in a northerly direction. And, I sh- and as I mentioned, I will put images of this up on the website uh, just to make this a bit clearer. To travel south, we need to rotate the compass bezel so that the south uh, or 180 degree um, heading is in line with the direction of travel arrow. Uh, this means that when we align the north arrow to the marker on the base, that the north arrow will be pointing to the N on the bezel, uh, and we are now heading south. And this also applies to east and west. The images, on, as I said, on the website will make this a bit clearer. Another use for a compass is when you don't necessarily need to know the actual direction you're heading, but you're heading towards a particular feature. So let's say, for instance, you're starting off in the car park, you're walking to a nearby mountain, um, the trail may or may not be well marked, um, and you know that the bush is going to get quite dense and you're not going to be able to see the mountain until you get much closer to it. So what you do from where you are in the car park is take a heading uh, to that mountain um, and then even if you can't see the mountain and you're heading in the right direction, you'll get reasonably close to it, providing you don't take too many uh, changes of direction on the way through. To return to the starting location, rotate the compass bezel 180 degrees, and that will return you to the start. Approximately. You may not end up exactly in the same spot, but you'll end up very close by. And this is called uh, taking a back bearing. Now, for these forms of compass navigation, are the most common forms that I see on the trail and while a number of individuals do undertake much more complex compass navigation, it's not as common uh, as just taking some simple bearings. Now, in choosing a compass, there's really two main brands of compasses on the Australian market at the moment, and those are Sunto and Silver. Uh, now, I own one of each of these brands for different reasons. My basic compass, which is a Sunto A30, um, is a relatively cheap compass, um, it's very good for taking um, just simple bearings without doing complex navigation. Um, and it's a very similar sort of compass to the Silver Ranger compass. Um, and both of these are priced in under around about the $60 mark. I also own a Silver Expedition 54 compass, and these cost around about $240. Now, a much more expensive compass, but they are much more accurate. Uh, particularly if you're navigating over bigger distances over unmarked terrain, they also can work in a northern and southern hemisphere. So it means if I do go overseas, I don't have to buy a separate compass when I get there. So best thing to do when you're looking at buying a compass is go through and do a bit of research before you actually go into the stores or, or buy online. Work out what you want to use the compass for. Um, whether it's just for simple bearings or whether it's much more complex, complex navigation um, and aim uh, your purchase at what you're going to be looking at. Um, it really, I mean, really these days, both these brands are, are, are high quality brands. They're well known within the industry um, and it's really personal preference or where you can get the best deal. 
but as I said, in the, the high-end compass range, the silvers probably tend to be, have the best uh, availability there. Now we're going to talk briefly about maps uh, and topographic maps that we use for uh, navigation and hiking. Um, essentially two-dimensional representations of the train that we're going to be following on the ground. And what this does is it allows you to see um, the terrain we're going to be heading over. So if we're heading from point A to point B uh, and we can look at the map and see there's a, a ridge we're going to be crossing or we're going to be crossing a couple of rivers or streams uh, or we know that there's, if you're in the Blue Mountains, you know there's a lot of cliffs. Uh, you want to be able to avoid those. Uh, and these these maps will help provide that information even without a compass. Now, while it's normal to talk about using a map and a compass together, you can certainly go through and use maps separately. Um, from my perspective, um, in using a, a map, the main reason I tend to use a map is to find out the points of interest, and it also allows, to, allows me to see how I'm traveling on the trip that I'm going on. So if I know, as an example, I'm heading up a mountain um, and there's a, a, a saddle um, uh, or there's a, uh, a lake in a particular area and I come across that particular feature, I know that I'm heading in the right direction um, and I haven't gone off trail. Sometimes you'll look at a map and you'll have a couple of hills that might be very close by uh, and you think, OK, well, I think I'm on the right hill. Uh, but if you look at the Australian Alps as an example, there are peaks everywhere. Uh, and sometimes I get I think Mount Kosciuszko is pretty easy to find for most people. But finding the secondary or lesser known mountains is a bit more difficult without a map. Um, you know, trying to work your way through with a compass, you may not be able to work out what mountain you're on uh, if you don't have that map with you. So... As I said earlier on, I will carry a map on very complex hikes. I will carry a map on uh, on on hikes when I want to know what details there are. Um, but it's the sort of thing for most people, maps tend to be the last thing that they tend to buy and, and learn to use. The best way to get familiar with a map is to start using one for an area that you know really well. So an area you hike fairly regularly um, and that you... Um, uh, you don't have to worry about navigating because you recognize the trail so well that even if you turn yourself around, you know where you are. And, and by doing this, it means that you can sort of look at the map and not have to focus on navigation and walk your way through the trail or a particular area and identify particular features on the map and see how well you can recognize those and work out where you are from the map itself. Now, as I said, this has really just been a brief overview of basic map and compass navigation. Uh, it, it, as I said, there is so much to learn on this. Um, I would strongly recommend that people actually do a course. Uh, and unfortunately, there aren't easy to find courses throughout Australia. Sometimes you've really got to look and find things. A lot of the bushwalking clubs will, will have courses on using maps and compasses, uh, but you've got to be able to find those, and hopefully they'll, they'll suit in with, when, uh, with your timings that, uh, that, that will work for you. Ultimately, what it comes down to is practice, uh, and this is where you improve your ability. So even having done a hike a 100 times before, learning to recognize where you are and where you're heading in relation to the train Bring out a map, bring out a compass, um, and even if someone else is leading the trip, 
uh, and doing all the navigating, ask questions and ask if you can help. Now, some would say that um, navigation is an interesting thing to do. Isn't that right, Tim? Um, I, <laughs> I, I have to say, I have to confess that it's probably not, for me, the most interesting thing. And uh, while I can navigate, my preference is not to. Um, and, you know, I do agree that it is about practising. Um, so, you know... If it's if it's not of great interest to you, um, just see it as another skill that you need to um, develop in, uh, and you know, do as much as you need to. But it is something that you should be focusing on, and uh, never, who knows, maybe you'll get to like it. <laughs> okay, that's all for introductory map and compass navigation. Uh, as I said, this has really just been a basic overview and it does rely on the written article for a lot of the information we've discussed tonight. So go through and have a look at that online uh, and that'll make this a bit clearer to work with. Now in this episode, we're actually going to introduce a new segment and that's Hiking Hacks. Uh, and this was brought about by something that occurred uh, over the last couple of weeks, which while I was aware of, I really hadn't thought too much about until it came back to bite us. On a recent hike, we uh, we left Canberra um, at, around, uh, at an altitude of around about 600 metres and travelled to some of the hikes in the nearby mountain ranges. And so by the time we actually started our hikes, we we're at about 1,400 to 1,500 metres above sea level. And when we got out of the car, we went to pick up our packs and we discovered what we thought was a leaking bladder uh, in, our, uh, in our packs and the, the bottoms of the packs were wet. And we thought, okay, it's our own fault. We haven't actually done up the, uh, the bladders properly and we can't blame anyone else but ourselves. When we went through and checked, we discovered that the bladders were done up uh, correctly. And what we put it down to was the drop-in pressure with the change in altitude, which had allowed the uh, uh, the air inside the bladders to expand and, and, and increase the pressure on the water, which pushed it out of the, uh, the nozzle, which wasn't closed properly. Um, so it was a lesson learned. Um, it, it, I, I do it every so often, and then I remember, and then I forget, and then it happens again. So this is the first time it had happened in a number of years. Uh, and thankfully, though, we had a uh, uh, a guard on the boot in the back of our car, so all the water was collected. But we did have the bottoms of the pack were a bit wet. Um, so one thing I would probably say is um, it would be, be a good idea to have the bladders outside of the packs until you actually are ready to go hiking or to even fill the bladders uh, when you reach altitude, if that is possible. Okay, that's all for this week's episode. Our next episode in two weeks' time will be on geocaching, and the best way to think about geocaching is treasure hunting with a GPS. As usual, this episode is available to be listened to through our website, through SoundCloud, through Stitcher Radio and iTunes. And if you have the time, please go through and rate us on iTunes to help get the message out there. That's all from me. Bye for now. And bye from me.